The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the spoiler war, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show, down below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. Hi, man. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. We are joined by a return visitor and a frequent contributor to Down Below. It's Anka. Hi, guys. Hey. It's Hi. So you, were, <laughs> you picked a good episode to come back with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, I heard Yen always say, um, the, you know, until you get to the point of no return. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> right. Today we are here to discuss episode nine of season three, Point of No Return. But first, here's an ISN special report. ISN Behind the Scenes, episode two, with guest Anka as the ISN chief. Hey, you don't want to know why the chief called a production meeting in Brown Sector of all places? Not got a clue, but we can't exactly hold it in the Zocalo. Not with the spoo craze going on. Yeah, I got caught in a rush for the latest shipment earlier and I was so embarrassed. I had to tell this passing Mimbari it was something to do with martial law. I'm glad you could all make it. I wanted you no, to- No, wait, let me guess. You want us to do an expose on the conditions down here. Exactly. Think of it as a before piece for when our government sweeps away all this mess. What about martial law? I hear it's going to be extended to the colonies. Don't worry. I think I have just the exclusive you after. Let me fill you in. Of course I don't get the lead. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm doing the weather next. No way I'm letting that happen. I've never trusted the chief since this whole Nightwatch thing started anyway. Now I just want to flip some tables and tear that thing off our own. In any case, this is a production meeting. We're not being shut out on this. Yeah, I can't have my best report on the B story, can I? Are you serious? What's that? A PPG? I don't want you running back to us. He's gonna kill her. Do something. Hey, Chief, I got some breaking news for you. Shane, I've done it. Again, Paul, then open the window. There's no need to announce it. No, not that. I've invented a machine that can erase our memory of Red Dwarf so we can watch it for the first time. Again. Really? Is it safe? Completely. Although you might also forget how to read, write, and do math. I'm a politician. I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who have barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That will be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time. Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband, Heath. What are you doing in my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us. Maybe recording a podcast about it. Hmm, 
That's really convenient. And you can listen in on the fun with the Red Dwarf intro cast. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Point of No Return aired February 26, 1996. It was directed by Jim Johnston, who last directed Acts of Sacrifice in Season 2. This is his 12th and final episode to direct. Oh. And it was written by JMS. Let's see, 12 out of, what, 30-something? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. So now let's do the recap. The episode begins with Londo correcting another report of Veer's. He wants to make the Mimbari look bad, and Veer gets irate. Yay, Veer. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have this bit of levity right at the start, considering what else happens in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited to see him. Yeah. <laughs> and standing up for himself, too. Yeah. Seems he's learning something at the Mimbari. Uh, but yeah. it, it, it seemed to me Londo completely ignored it. <laughs> like he was like, oh, I got a call. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he gets a call telling him that Lady Morella will be arriving shortly. I guess she was already on her way. <laughs> yeah, for what, a couple days? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this recently about yeah. how people just show up, but they had to be coming for a while. <laughs> it takes a long time to get any information they need, but people just show right up. Yep. They probably just inform him later or very late, which is a little yeah. annoying, but <laughs> So Londo's not gonna get like a new aid or anything, he's just gonna go without one, I guess. Yeah. I would like to see uh, a new aid to see what would take place there. The thing is he's still treating Veer like his aid even though he's an ambassador to Rimbar. Yeah. Right. Even though he's on Rimbar a lot. Hmm. Lady Morella is the previous Emperor's third wife, Londo, wants to get ready for her visit and he opens this door and it's chaos everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they've declared martial law. Mm. Everyone run around. Okay. <laughs> it made me think of like a South Park episode and all, everything goes crazy. Yeah. Everybody's running around <laughs> and stuff's catching on fire. <laughs> yep. That's so true. If there were any cars on the station, they would be burning. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, Minbari that uh, told Londo what was happening, he's been in other episodes playing aliens like Narn and Drazi. Oh, really? Yeah. I like, like to think that this Minbari is actually work cast, and so he's got a bit of a different attitude to the other Minbari. He's more grounded, more, you know, he's willing to panic when, when the time arises. Yeah. Like everybody run for your lives. It's just hilarious. I just love it. For some reason I kept uh typing marital law in my notes. Is that a martial law? Um so Sheridan and the others are talking to people back home. Clark is dissolved. The Senate, some of them are holed up in their offices trying to get help. And the elite guard is actually going and trying to get the people, the ones out who are holed up. Yeah, I mean, so... it was kind of like a zombie apocalypse, really. Because the guy, <laughs> the guy that was like talking to them, which by the way, I loved all the screens that they had going on. It was pretty chaotic. Mm. Um, he's just like panicking, like looking to see what's happening outside and like, you know, oh my God, they're coming. It was very much like a zombie apocalypse. 
Well, it's kind of getting the feeling that he was also holding um, up in his in his office, so that he was hiding yeah. in his office yeah, for the like first therapy. time, and then and then later he says, "Oh, I need to go." Okay, I thought. Hmm. <laughs> this is going ready. Yeah, so we're already getting the impression that this is more than just martial law. That this is Clark making a power play. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be friends with Sheridan, right? Or friends with General Haig or so. So on their side, Th- this mm-hmm. um, general, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. General Haig has left a message for Sheridan, telling him that he's on his own. And opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice message. You're on your own. See ya. <laughs> Sorry. Can't help you now. All has yeah. gone to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and this must happen before all the channels to Earth get shut down and monitored. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Sheridan addresses the staff in CNC and he's sure that all the restrictions will make it to Babylon 5 soon and yeah, this is when communications with Earth has been blacked out. They're going to try to get info on everybody's families. But he thinks that other governments might try to move against him, so they need to be ready. And then poor Clarence. Uh-oh. Oh, he looks Uh-oh. so sad and lost. Yeah. What happened, Captain? <laughs> what did we do wrong? Somebody help Clarence. <laughs> Somebody give Clarence a hug. Yeah. You know what should happen? Clarence and Jakar should form their own secret society. Thank you, everyone else. Outside. That's right. Clarence and who? Jakar. Oh, yeah. they won't let them. Because he's the other one being kept out of the uh, inner circle. Yeah. <laughs> but they Jam- said that Mars and Io have also been are also under martial law. Yeah. Which is yeah. weird because. They couldn't even subdue Mars before. So, good luck with that. I was kind of wondering if that was kind of a lie from Sheridan. Um, you know, I mean, of course you think about other races attacking you, but maybe he also wants to keep combat readiness for some other things. And that was just a clever lie to uh, CNC staff. Um, who knows? I, mean, I guess they also know there's something coming at some point, probably. Hmm. It would have been probably not on my first, <laughs> um, my first thought that other races could attack me, but um, just from what we have seen so far, and yeah, I don't know. JMS said that Corin's question, or sorry, Clarence's question is really one that hits a lot. You see things starting to fly apart, but you keep thinking it's going to work out, then it all goes to hell, and you're staying there trying to figure out how it all slipped away. It's a very innocent yet universal question. Huh. And was asked by the innocent person. Yeah. <laughs> or so we think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sheridan and Ivanova run into Garibaldi. He's, uh, Garibaldi says that there's been an alert put out for Haig, and rumor has it he's organizing a resistance. So they all want to be careful in case Haig tries to make it to Babylon 5. I like when the guy got off the elevator is like, Turn around, it's the private conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he waves as he gets back in the elevator. That's a funny thing. Zach is watching a news report, and there's one senator, uh, the ISC anchor says that one senator is urging people to form a living barrier around the Senate. Yeah, this what? is interesting. Yeah. I didn't catch this but it, I, the first time we watched it, but it, yeah, it said the elite, what the elite guard was attacking the Senate, and yeah, like the senators right. are like holed up in there. This is craziness. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Seriously, the people are going to barricade the name. That's your life for us. So this blonde security guard, 
uh, security guard number one, I guess is his name. She tells Zach that's about his, his name. That's his yeah. name. That was how he was credited last episode. No, I'm just kidding. Like, that's his actual name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his middle name is Guard. His last name is number one. Oh, are we going to give him a name? Does he deserve a name? Didn't you just call him the blondie, the blonde guy all the time <laughs> during the, <laughs> the commentary? Blondie. Yeah, blondie, I think. Blondie, yeah. <laughs> He tells Zach to bring some extra PPG caps if you have them. That's just, that's just cruel. Yeah, I would have said the same thing Zach said. What is that supposed to mean? Yeah, well, yeah, he seems to have his own view on what needs to happen because later on he tells Zach he missed out on all the fun. So yeah. he considers that riot fun for him, chance for him to you know, get stuck in and, you know, crack skulls and stuff like that. Yeah, these are the people you don't want in positions of authority. I remember last week he had this whole thing about, not last week, it was a couple of weeks ago actually, wasn't it, where he was viewing the screens and saying, makes him feel like God. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, this guy. Next Jakar is singing in prison. (laughs) (laughs) I can see how that would be annoying after a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not an opera because we got a taste of that last season and Londo said how bad it was. He used to really? go back. I didn't, his... I didn't find it that bad. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was kind of thing, from a, from a <laughs> Centauri's point of view, oh, you get what you. Right, but would you want to listen it, it, to it for it, hours on end is the question. It's not great listening to it because we can't get what he's saying. You know, he's hitting some notes, but you're not sure those are the right <laughs> notes. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> that was his American Idol audition. <laughs> but, I mean, we know he has a nice voice, so... Mm. He does have a nice voice. Right. Unless he can only sing in English. Yeah. Uh... So uh, Garibaldi lets him out three weeks early because they can't spare their men to guard him. And Jakar says he might have something in a little while when the time is right. I like how he said that. It's one reason the way he's delivered that line. Actually, it's a good job he got them, him out of the cells now because, you know, when the Nightwatch got into power, you know, I could imagine them dragging him, him out of the cell and beating him up. Mm-hmm. Wait, did we already... Oh, no, they seem to be more... About... Sorry. I go... go ahead. Oh, we already talked about when Blondie was talking to Zach, right? Yeah. Okay, so the poster that was behind him, the one about traitors, Kent Hyde? Yeah. It's like a hand holding a person, but it has like a a different kind of head? Did anybody catch what the head was? It's it's too obscure. I've never been able to quite make it out. Yeah. yeah. Because it looks like a person, but with a different head, like a alien head or something. I just thought maybe it meant something. Maybe it is, because if they're traitors, they're like, um, they're uh, maybe on the side of one of the alien races or something. Yeah, is that what they mean by traitors? I'm very confused by this vague term traitor. Like, I wonder what that means. Just people that don't agree with the president? Well, his regime and his regime are trying to put out through propaganda that that means you're against earth and any humans mm-hmm. if, if you're, you're against, against the regime because yeah. I'm, I'm sure um clark's got this dictator's checklist somewhere and he's just ticking off certain things he needs to do 
kill president. Tick. <laughs> that was number one. Yeah. JMS did say that most of their posters came from real World War II propaganda posters. They just made modifications. Mm-hmm. 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 Looks like it. And I think maybe the color scheme is very um, chosen here as well, you know, because it's the red and the black, which mm-hmm. is usually associated with um, Soviet Russia. Soviet Russia? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Lando is mad about how he's been preparing for this meeting for months, giving assurances about Lady Morella's safety, yada, yada, and all this breaks out. Morella is a seer, and Lando wants her to tell him that his future won't happen the way that he's seen it. And then the Lady Morella herself arrives, and Corey explained who she was in the commentary. Mm. She's Major Barrett Rottenberry, the wife a of... big thing at the time. Jean Rottenberry. And, you know, there was all this animosity between Star Trek fans and Babylon 5 fans. She met JMS somewhere and wanted to be on this show. It's just kind of a gesture of goodwill, saying all this animosity is unproductive. What was the animosity about? Just, you know, kind of like how, well, partially I think it was because a lot of people thought that Deep Space Nine ripped off uh, Babylon 5. Oh. That was from the Babylon 5 uh, fans' point of view. From the Star Trek fans' point of view, the whole thing, from what I can gather, is that that was a big fandom. That was what sci-fi should be. And then you've got this upstart coming in, taking all the glory, you know, okay. and it's you know, you know. I think a lot of the animosity was based on how Babylon Five was in season one, because by this point it's difficult to get into unless you've been on board from at least season two. A lot of it was probably how nerds like to think: is this franchise better than this franchise? Or Star yeah, Wars and Star mm-hmm. Trek? there's less of that now, but it was yeah. really quite big in the nineties. I mean, even later on when um, Stargate came around. You know, there were big rivalries then. Right. Mm. But you still have those discussions online sometimes. And I just recently saw an announcement for a Babylon 5 guest at a German um, convention. And people started talking, it's a Star Trek convention. and But it's, it's not a Star Trek convention for years already anymore. Um, you know, alone. Mm. They already, um, you know, have other guests as well. And mm. just because of that one guest, they started, you know, this whole discussion online again. I was like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> and she, I mean, I heard she went, uh, she walked, uh, yeah, went around to conventions and basically stood in front of Star Trek fans and said, give it a chance, uh, watch that show, Bellama 5. And um, that's a, re- a, re- a really cool thing, a really cool gesture. Mm. And um, it's just, even if it wasn't a deliberate gesture made, the weight of having that actress aboard um, and all the connotations it comes with, that comes with it, really adds weight to this role. And she was good in that role. I liked her. Mm, Definitely. And uh, just to bring it back to the plot for a minute, the fact that Londo wants her to tell him that it's not going to happen the way he sees it. He doesn't want the future he's he's been dream, dreaming about. And again, another person he wants to pursue to tell him some future or tell him anything. So mm. he walks around like the I techno maze. It yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be different this time. Like right. spend a few days and come out here 
and tell me my future. <laughs> I find it interesting, though, that, you know, it doesn't seem that humans, at least that we've seen so far, have anybody with the ability to see the future, mm. right? But um, the Centauri seem to, the, the Vorlons, and then even the Membari, or at least Elaine, they she seems to think that she knows what's going to happen, or they, well, they know what's going to happen. Well, the Membari, they, they've got a lot of prophecy, which is predictions of the future, but, you know, there doesn't seem to be any new prophecies. These are ancient prophecies that keep on getting talked about. And then Vorlons, yes, we we don't know really what their powers are at this point. They might, they have some sort of telepathy and they have some sort of future prediction in some ways. And then the Centauri seem, really do seem to be the ones who have seers, who have um, different psi abilities from anyone else, it seems, at this point. It's, it, yeah, it, it's just something that sets them apart again. Because yeah, you've got, um, Londo and Reef are both having worked with the Shadows and you've got this different side ability you've got the fact they're an empire that's very Roman-esque they seem to be on a different path to a lot of the other main races yeah I think if you make the decision to have <clears throat> people that can see the future yeah that's like a very important decision you make in your own world building universe too because the ability to see the future means something in terms of what you what you think about your overall like how the universe works you know what i mean yeah so um, it, it has to be yeah. made with thought i hope and I, hopefully it was well what i like in this episode is there's hints it's not outright stated but there are hints that although centauri have seers that there must be a lot of false seers out there that these sorts of prophecies are, are or visions are taken with with weight but at the same time very skeptically because she says later on if this ever gets out we're going to deny it ever took place so that's an interesting way to play it hmm. Well, she may have also just said that because mm. she didn't want that to be out. Yeah. yeah. I guess very but, dangerous to be out. Oh, especially yeah. Especially the mean, loyal court. Yeah. Especially okay. considering what the prophecy is about. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. It's definitely interesting that they have seers and that they, they also had different uh, size. I mean, um, those four sites that were with the, um, yeah. with the emperor yeah. that basically could oh, two were with them, uh, with him, and the other were at the court, and they could kind of speak to each other. That, that's almost awesome. far seeing. That's that's right. that's almost another aspect of um, seeing the future. It's seeing the present from afar. It's again different take on it. It's done with the other species. They're pretty powerful, I would say. Mm. <laughs> yeah. She is happy to see them, but she's wondering why there are no Earth people there. Lando and Vera make excuses. <laughs> and, I love how she plays this as well. She she stops, looks around, continues with her senses, but it's, it's done very subtly, but yet you can definitely see her confused. Yeah, she uses we when she's talking about herself. So Captain and the others are talking to General Smith's 
General Smith is played by Louis Arquette. You may have heard of his children, Patricia and David. Ah. <laughs> no, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> I know him as the narrator from Waiting for Guffman. So. Okay. Uh, he says he can't do anything and Sheridan should forget any kind of opinions because he's, um, tells Garibaldi that the political office has assigned security duties to the Night Watch. And we cut to Blondie telling Night Watch that every member, every branch of the government has been infiltrated. He's very smug in this scene. And yeah. Smith says that the security team will be people in Night Watch and those wishing to join. So once again, probably a good idea to join Night Watch. Right. <laughs> the message. And he tells Sheridan that if there's a problem, look upon it as an opportunity. And then back to Blondie, he says, this is the opportunity they've been looking for. They need to find the traitors and use whatever means they have to to find them. So Jakar comes across Talon, who's been waiting for him since he was in jail. <laughs> Poor Talon. Yes. What do you say? Sleep on the fifth day. He's <laughs> a martyr yeah. complex. I, I think, wonder if you he know, can hear the singing. <laughs> <laughs> I think yes. this probably uh, Jamesh's original idea probably would have been this to have been the Toth if she was still around. Mm. Would have been better if it was Kodoth. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yeah, Kodoth would have stuck around if the actress had been willing. I don't know. I like Talon. I just Talon's a good character. I'm yeah. just yeah. saying that, you know... It feels very much like something an aide would do. True, yeah. They would not have been, you know, uh, that nice to him. <laughs> they would mm-hmm. probably have been a little bit, um, I don't know, like fem- female nuns would be <laughs> aggressive, I guess. Still, Talon <laughs> had a good line, which I don't want anyone to take, because I've got two lines, and it's very thin on the ground for funny lines in this episode. Yeah, not to beat up on Talon, but he doesn't seem like the smartest person in the world. <laughs> I mean, really, you're just going to stand there? Come on, you can think of better things to do with your time. You know he's in jail. He's I'm not sorry, going Talon. anywhere. I'm sorry, but come on. That's but he seems to um, have that whole warrior code thing going on, because we had the scene um, last season with Sheridan and him talking about more or less this whole life debt um, idea. Yeah. Or him, or him cutting his hand last time. Mm, uh-huh. That's another thing, yeah. So I guess he has sworn himself to Jakar. I mean, Natas or Kodas would have done that too, but they would have, I don't know, they would have had a snarky comment why he wasn't in jail or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> While you were in there singing, I have been right doing there. such and such. <laughs> um... Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, he's... To line of the transfer paid is dead, blah, blah. So Zach and Blondie are going through a list of personnel and each person that comes through deciding whether or not to join Nightwatch or quit their duty. And one guy, there's one guy that decides not to join. Not everybody's on board. Good for him. Yeah, good yeah. for you. So you probably should just pretend. <laughs> right, it didn't end well, but... <laughs> Garibaldi wants to go down and stop this. Sheridan tries to stop him, but Garibaldi's determined and he leaves. I like that he used the finger. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not sure if anybody wants to, you know, have that um, that um, that comment, that uh, quote, but I like how Gary Baldi ended it. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> it's a very Garibaldi thing to do, though. This it's rash, but you know he's got his own code, and whenever anyone goes against that code, no matter what who it is, he he goes at them full force. Yeah, me has a point <laughs> somehow. But at the same time, it's probably not maybe the brightest thing to do at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That's what Sheridan says. Let's find some other ways. But yeah, stubborn Michael. I like this next scene. Lady Morella wants to know why Londo called her there. She speaks about her husband's death and how it was the beginning of this whole, all these problems that have come since then. And B5 is kind of like a memorial to his unfinished work. And the things she says about her husband before that, um, a lot of people have also read as um, uh, talking about um, Roddenberry. It's no. not outright stated that's the case, but a lot of people have, oh, right. have read okay. that into it. Yeah, about greatness, yeah. Yeah. So Lando, uh, JMS did say that, you know, that they have a lot of subtext and maybe there was a little bit, yeah. I mean, she points out that in one uh, comment she says um, about his choice or about choice, what she talks about there. Um, I think that yes. kind of points towards Lando in the first few and the first two seasons leading up towards uh, this season, where he basically all the time he said, oh, I don't have any choice. <laughs> but it's kind also, the, oh, it's also the flip side of what Torhan said to Sheridan, though, that all his life he hasn't been able to make a choice for himself, except here at his death, whereas his wife is saying, we say we don't have a choice when we've already made up our minds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's so many people uh, say they didn't have a choice when they were doing something they knew I wasn't going to like. I was like, yes, you have a choice. This may not be a choice you like, but right. it's always a choice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't <want> to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely people. a line you can remember. See, um, uh, she yes. must see something in Londo here. You know, he he's let his guard down whilst he's talking to her, so... You know, she can't. One thing, sorry. Um, you know, before she, they had this conversation, she seemed hesitant. Whereas at the end, it it felt like she had seen something in Londo. Yeah, I mean, she wouldn't give him like his um, his wish in the end if she wouldn't see something in him, and she wouldn't like. It's all good advice to him, I guess. Mm. Well, maybe she sees how important it is and how important he's going to be, and therefore, you know, she feels like it's, she really needs to say something because yeah. he's going to be. It seems very, you know, influential and can change the, the history for a lot of people, and and so maybe like she feels that because of that, she has a responsibility to tell him. Hmm. Mm. She's going to do her reading before she leaves. I mean, she took it well. Yeah. Hey, you know, I really just want you to come and give me a, a psychic reading. <laughs> okay, right? I spent days getting here. That's how I feel. <laughs> it's like, okay. Still, I think, you know, she 
part of her would have wanted to come to Babylon 5 because it is a place her husband died. Mm-hmm. You know, and that must be give her some sort of closure as well. Next, Zach, st- Zach tries to stop Garibaldi from barging in, but Garibaldi goes in anyway. He does make a scene, flips a table. <laughs> yeah. I always love that people flip tables. Sorry. <laughs> sort of Have you ever done that in, in real life, Will? No, but I'm waiting for a good chance to do it. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to find a, the right opportunity. It's going to flip a table over. Make sure it's got to be the right sort up. of table as well. It's got to be just light enough to flip, but heavy enough yeah. to give a good whack when it lands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want it too heavy, then like you won't be able to flip it over, it'll just be really awkward. Yeah. yeah. And something too light is just going to look really flimsy and completely undercut your statement. Yeah. <laughs> I just look goofy and what people won't really take me seriously. But I don't know about how people just knock everything off the table. I don't know about that. I just, I just want to flip it over really good and yeah. barge out. <laughs> Just apropos of nothing. What Garibaldi was swiping off the table here was actually, you know, that was all the Nightwatch paraphernalia. So it's, you know, sweeping that aside and saying, right, we're getting back to business. Yeah, you, oh. usually people only do that when they're going to have sex on the table. <laughs> right. No. We just move all this stuff over. Yeah. And then he ripped the armband off. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. He makes a really passionate speech here, trying to get his guys not to join. I like that. It was awesome. What I found interesting is the order of importance of who they're meant to serve. It's the captain comes first, then it's the station, and then he is the third in that list. So he views their work for the station more important than reporting directly to him. Maybe he was just saying it in a in a different um, range. Like, oh, yeah, you work for the captain, you work for the station, but important, you work for me. Maybe he meant... That's himself. a good way to put it as well. I didn't think of that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I know. I was kind of wondering why nobody would switch, like, <laughs> come over to his side again, because after that speech, yeah. I was yeah, I was old. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you have a point. Maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a few people out in the corridor queuing up hearing the speech and think, right, um, you know, they just walk away. But <laughs> it didn't that ring doesn't really have any impact for us. Yeah, I thought there would have been a little bit more <clears throat> recognition of him as somebody that was leading them for a while, but they all just seemed to, like, Yeah, just him. awkwardly glance at one another. Yeah. <laughs> but he was really dramatic. Well, what was he saying? Hell's coming five steps behind me? Was he, what was he talking about, the shadows? Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, he meant the captain. Oh, the yeah, captain. I thought he meant yeah, hell. <laughs> Kevin. That's really, if you meant the captain, then that's really dramatic. Come on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a pass if you're talking about the shadows. But I mean, I guess he also means when, when this all goes to hell, basically, then yeah, yeah, that's what he means. I mean, take this armband off, otherwise hell is coming five steps behind me. I guess. Blindy relieves Garibaldi and puts Zach in charge. <laughs> Thankfully, it's But Zach. Zach's not really in charge, is he? Exactly. <laughs> that's why Zach's in charge. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> 
Next in Jakar's quarter, she's talking to Talon while he's lighting candles. <laughs> they're about to, are they about to have a dinner, a romantic dinner or something? <laughs> it's just well, we haven't getting... seen a space candle in ages. Yeah. Jakar that really likes them. <laughs> but he had his like uh, lighter, ca- like his starter candle in one hand and his Chronicles of Narnia on paper in the other. <laughs> so I was like, no, don't get it too close to the flame. I just noticed that there was wind in his quarters. Like you could hear the the wind, and I just thought, oh, he's like Sheridan. He needs <laughs> Sheridan needs rain, and he needs oh. wind. <laughs> <laughs> he had the apple. oh no, oh no! I've just had the thought. Babylon Five Planeteers. Planeteers. Uh, so you know, Sheridan's water to cause uh, <laughs> yeah. It was fire. The land is probably fire. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, Jakar says that he's had a revelation, and he, to save their people, they must sacrifice their people. Have to be willing to die by the millions. I'm thinking that Kosh has put this idea in his head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the question is, how much is his own ideas, and how how much was put in there? You know, because he's been sitting in that cell for three weeks. So he's had time to think over what he's experienced. So some of these these ideas must be his. But then, yeah, he kind of was influenced by Kosh. Well, we don't know all what, uh, his ideas. The only one that he mentioned was basically taking on the one that Kosh told him when he was strung out on PCP, right? <laughs> Sacrifice yourself or, right? Isn't that what he told him? Something along those lines. Yeah. You, you know. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking up the planeteers. Okay. <laughs> what is the? What are the planeteers? Don't remember Captain Planet. No, sorry. Oh dear. Earth, water, fire, heart, and telepathy, and oh, wind. they were Airbend or Avatar, the last Airbender before no. that. No, <laughs> kind of, but not quite. They they had rings. And yeah, when they I combined remember. their powers, they would summon Captain Planet. It was based. It was a cartoon designed to promote um, what's it? Um, environmentalism. Mm-hmm. Um, very very cheesy, early nineties cartoon. So where I started typing in "Funny or Die," and the first thing that comes up is "Funny or Die Captain Planet." I, have y'all seen that video? Mm-mm. No. Just trying to make sure that was what it was. It was it's Don Cheadle as Captain Planet. It's kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I can. excuse me. Sheridan has received the order for martial law. He wishes to Lynn were there. I didn't catch that during the commentary because I think we were talking about that. Like that maybe if oh, she, she was there, I don't know something. We said something. But yeah, yeah I, watched I think you mentioned Delenn about the same time they did. <laughs> yeah, watching the second time, I was like, "Oh, he misses Delenn." <laughs> There's no word about General Haig yet. So Lando and Vera are taking Morella through the Zocalo for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's word on the TV: shooting is broken out between Earth Force ships, and one of them is General Haig's ship. The Nightwatch comes along and starts breaking things up, and they see Hag and his companions escape. And as Morella and 
Londo and Vera are about to leave. A fight breaks out. <laughs> Don't you oh, love Babylon 5's brawls? <laughs> They're always so awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Especially if they take place in the Zocalo. Yeah. They just start breaking bottles and throwing everything. And Doing we were martial missing arts. A, yeah. um, a Kung Fu Master Centauri. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Where's Marcus? What is going on? <laughs> and with every bar fight, I always see two Membari in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> you need. would think that they wouldn't be. Right. As I mean, they probably just work out, a but... class. This is a working class. Yeah. They can get away with everything the other two classes can't. <laughs> this was ridiculous. I'm sorry. This yeah. This ridiculous. Yeah, so while this is going on, Sheridan comes on the screen and makes his announcement. They're monitoring communications. And Beer gets hit by a bottle, I think, that mm-hmm. almost hit Lady Morella. Yeah. Yeah, Zach nearly gets hit because he's just yeah. standing there looking around aimlessly. It's a shame. Zach's cool. Why you just have him stand there? Yeah, I don't know with these other guys. He doesn't want to get involved in the fight. He doesn't, but still. Yeah, the monitor, the, the chair or whatever hit the monitor that Sheridan was on. <laughs> just after he says, thank you for your attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was... I liked it how it was shown, like his speech in the background. I mean, I had a hard time concentrating on that speech, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, 1900 uh, curfew and stuff like that. And what else uh, did he say? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, one of the things it does, it shows how Nightwatch security are kind of being very heavy handed about things and went out right. deliberately to provoke um, some sort of response. Maybe they didn't intend things to get as far, but. Oh, they they knew the martial law order was about to get announced, so they knew they had an excuse to arrest a load of people. Yeah, and that's the thing with, you know, authority. I don't really want, I guess I probably shouldn't get into this, but, like, if you give them tools, they're going to use them. So they bring their night sticks or whatever they are, night watch sticks. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and of course, they start using them to beat up on people. It was like, um, yeah, you and give just security tear um, gas. And they're going to yeah. use it on people protesting. And you know, just as, like, as they do it, the martial law gets announced. And one of those things is, you know, no inciting to riot. Station personnel have the right to basically arrest anyone they want <laughs> without reason. So, yeah. Okay, right. It, it, yeah. This was deliberately provoked. And it's a nice juxtaposition of, you know, the intent of, the original intent of a law like that, and then the reality of it. Well, people just knowing they have the power now to yeah, do that, that. that that's kind of what I mean, meant. Those, yeah. right? Those kind of people are drawn to this kind of power all the time. I mean, like Blondie is. You don't want those people in this no. kind of position, but unfortunately, that's what they are drawn to. And I yeah. mean, not n- nobody else like ourselves would go and join Nightwatch. But those people sometimes, and that's kind of, I mean, yeah, there may be some people that can be, you know, argued with and reasoned with, but and that's unfortunate. Yeah. That's kind of where martial law or things like that go wrong, of course. Wasn't it kind of like those experiments they do, they did, you know, where they tell 
one group of people that you're the guards and one group of people that you're the prisoner. Yeah, the prisoner. And it changes uh, their whole perspective and how they act when it means absolutely nothing, you know? I love that episode of Veronica Mars, by the way. Oh, mm-hmm. Thank you for reminding me. I need to get back to it because, yeah, um, I left it about five episodes into one of the seasons. I can't remember which, but I'm really far behind. So you saw that on um, uh, Veronica Mars as an episode? Oh yes, they did it in uh, in a sociology class. Okay. The professor oh, yeah. has yeah, it's uh, Wallace and Logan or mm-hmm. in the class. And, yeah, it's because that was sorry, I, that was actually a real experiment. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, I know. University and um, there's a movie out there uh, for that. It's actually a German movie, but I think it was translated uh, like uh, uh, into English and should also be available on in English. Um, it's called The Experiment, so I'm not sure it's actually good. It's a 90s movie, or early 2000s or so. I don't know, but it's actually really good. Of course, it um, drives that whole experiment further, and it's crazy go- going crazy after all, um, a while. But um, definitely <laughs> worthwhile to watch. Yeah, I think the what the original study was Stanford uh, study. Right, yeah, it was some university, right? Mm-hmm. Next, Franklin goes to see Sheridan. Sheridan says he feels like he needs a shower after delivering that message. Franklin thinks they might have a chance if Hay can get some more support, but they can't do anything really with the Night Watch around, and they can't you know, go around the chain of command. And this makes Sheridan realize that Smith trying to give him a hidden message but couldn't speak freely when they talked earlier. So he tells Franklin to go get Garibaldi but don't use the links and he goes back and watches that message again. Yeah, in hindsight he was giving a lot of hints, but... <laughs> yeah. like, would anybody watching that have been able to pick up on something? I don't know. Well, before we go to the next bit, um, the whole mention of... Um, General Hague throughout this episode, it, it, you know, this hope of something happening, the hope of this situation getting changed, and then by the end of the episode, it's, it, you know, it, that hope is almost crushed. Right, yeah. I mean, you never know where he is at, right? But it's a Got continual it. mention of these out, uh, external events, these things. If these things can happen... Our situation will improve. If X will happen, we, you know, things will change for us rather than we can do this, we can do that to change our situation. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to do something if they want something to get done. Do we know how much time was it pretty much immediate between the last episode and this episode? I think so. Cause... It had to be because Londo was like uh, talking severe and then martial law was declared and that happened at the end of the yeah. last episode and yeah i think um you might have had a night in between um the opening credits maybe because when we go back um the senate is being dissolved whereas where we ended up um clark was going to talk to the senate and explain his actions <clears throat> i see clark is like the the Martian ambassador from Mars Attacks. <laughs> and he's like, ha ha! And he gets his gun and starts shooting everybody. 
Jakar goes up to CNC. He tells Ivanova that he has an idea. And after this, when Zach arrives in his quarter, he has visitors waiting for him. <laughs> so, but yeah. when Jakar goes into CNC, I love his expression with his secret. It's just. Yeah. He, he's so happy with his little secret. <laughs> Can't wait to tell someone. Okay, so I feel like now would have been a really good time to like figure out where Clarence stood on issues rather oh, yeah. than rather than uh, making him think that you were asking him out on a date, Ivanova. You know, <laughs> like figure it out now. He's got to be making some comments. You know, like this is ridiculous. What are we doing? I just yeah. Well, he's yeah. already asked something. Where did we go wrong? How could this happen? Which already seems to indicate his leanings. Uh, he's not pleased with the situation. My gosh, Sheridan is like, get in. Well, mm. I just think it was hilarious that Zach opens his quarters and, like, Jakar is standing there, <laughs> like, just staring at him. <laughs> hilarious. Well, not just Jakar, but just... Well, just, Jakar, but just <laughs> I, I, I guess it wouldn't be as funny if Jakar wasn't there, you know? Yeah, but Jakar, kinda... like, and Zach don't have any, you know, it's just... Yeah. And, and one of us so imposing, she doesn't need to stand up. It's just... Right. <laughs> well, they say uh, on the Tumblr blog, I saw this, like both scenes when they sit, like, just when they um, show how they sit in this um, quarters. And then when um, Sheridan shows up behind him and you just have those two sen- um, words underneath, uh, oh shit. And then again, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and it just like cracks me up all the time. I can probably post it on Facebook, but I don't want to send you the Tumblr link. <laughs> Just no. in case, because you start wandering around and you don't want to. <laughs> oh, there's so many spoil- spoilers on Tumblr. Right. But that's one of those great po- um, blocks. <laughs> so Lady Marilla is attending to Veer's wound. Lando <laughs> hands her a towel and she accidentally touches him and she sees a vision of Lando, old Lando. Hmm. On the throne, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that the seems impression. to be that piece Sorry. sort of seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm. Although the impression we get later on is she saw far more than that. Oh, yeah. Far more than Lando ever saw as well. We'll get that- to her. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> In time. <laughs> Just a few minutes. Zach tells La- uh, Blondie that a ship is going to dock with a couple hundred Narn and they're there to replace the Night Watch. The command staff wanted his help, but he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. I'm a little annoyed that he doesn't that that he does report to this guy. Kind of, you're a chief now, so you know, why are you reporting to this guy? Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, the night watch is really the one in charge, so right. Yeah, I think we all knew that uh, he was playing along. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, on our commentary, we. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, Zach. All right, yeah. Cars addressing a group of Narn, asking them for help. And we go to Sheridan's quarters where his alarm goes off, but he's already awake. Oh, we're oh, not in his quarters. No, that, that was office. his office. Oh, you're going to say it was the <laughs> quarters. No, no. He, the impression I got from that is he didn't go back to his quarters that night. Sleeping he's been up office, all night. Okay. No, well, he was going to sleep in his office. Yeah. 
This is Ed's alarm. Hmm. Yeah, he unzipped partially anyway. To be more relaxed, I guess. Yeah. I I thought that the um, alarm was very, like, passive aggressive. (laughs) It was like, this is two thirty. This is your requested wake up time. It's early, Uh, but you requested it. Why'd you want to wake up this early? He zips his uniform up, and then we see Blondie addressing his people, telling them the plans. They're going to arrest Sheridan and everyone else. And then there's some slow-mo walking by both parties. Okay. Power walk. If you're going to do the slow-mo power walk, at least yeah. look imposing. I swear the the guy next to Blondie was like 70 <laughs> years old and really tiny. And they they were just like a look at like a bunch of ragtag randoms from the street. It was not yeah. opposing at all. Yeah, it looked like somebody I can't remember who it was. It looked like somebody was about to laugh or something, or maybe was smiling. Maybe Bonaba. <laughs> I don't know. And then we see the Night Watch getting ready in their room, waiting for Sheridan. Zach says, now, and the doors start to close, but he manages to dive on the door before it closes all the way. Yeah, he he gets his action man <laughs> moment. Uh-huh. An unnecessary yeah. one, I find. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think Zach's deserved it now. I know. It, maybe it, was... it wasn't necessary in the scene, but it was right. necessary for Zach. Where's a bit dangerous? Yeah, he oh, almost move, got his say. legs. <laughs> yeah, you've been paralyzed. <laughs> but a completely different ending to the story. <laughs> Sorry, get your legs chopped off. But hey, caught the night's watch. I really, really wanted to go under the door. What if his like uniform got caught on something when he was sliding? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's already complained about. Yeah. <laughs> Should have gotten that uniform fixed, Zach. <laughs> Garibaldi tells Zach he did the right thing and Sheridan gets on the PA tells him they're under arrest for a conspiracy to mutiny and failure to obey the chain of command and yeah he has a he's good at finding these loopholes how the order didn't come through the military so it was invalid for the Night's Watch to be in charge so when they leave after turning their link, identity card and weapons if they want to get out of that room and everybody, Ivanova and everybody knows it's a temporary solution. Clark will just make the order himself unless things get straightened out back home before then. And then the Narn arrive. They're going to take the place of this locked up security. Interesting hmm. idea. I mean, I know that you guys don't like Franklin so much, <laughs> but I thought, and, and he was just showing up <laughs> in randomly episode. in that scene, but I just love, right? I just love Franklin's voice. <laughs> just, <laughs> listen to that all the time. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I didn't really do much in this episode except kind of. <laughs> no, he didn't. Just show up. I mean, Zach got his slacks through that door <laughs> quickly enough, so. Nothing to do with <laughs> yeah, <right>? <laughs> After he gotten his legs chopped off, the doctor would have been right there. Okay, and now, time for some good stuff. <laughs> Lady Marilla tells Londo what she saw. Okay, see, I think I have it here. So he has three chances to sidestep whatever future is awaiting him. He's wasted two already. He's already. So I wonder what two. two already are. 
Well, when Morden asked him what he wants, probably, right? I think his first one was to keep Adira with him. Don't send Adira away. Hmm. That's a good one. From From the uh, Percy. What was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that that was the first one. Oh, okay. Because if you remember, she was a really good influence Mm. on him. That's a good idea. I was always wondering if it was pre-Babylon 5's time. Something that we don't yet know. That's another option, definitely. Like his, I, uh, like his decision, I mean, not that he really had a decision to become the ambassador, but something like that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But the Morden thing, definitely, I would say. Hmm, that's almost definitely one of them. Mm. But what, so make go, you, what do you so, make of those? Yeah, Sorry. well, we'll um, completely quote because uh, we've got to go into oh, the this. Three. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was just reading uh, speculation on what his two wasted ones are. Okay, uh, this, but he has three opportunities left. He must save the eye that cannot see. That does not see. You must save the eye that does not see. He must kill the one who is already, must not kill the one. No, you must not kill the one who is not kill the one dead. who already. And if all else fails, he must surrender himself to his greatest fear, knowing that it will destroy him. Okay, I feel like the last Shoot. one has to do with Shakar. That's yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning to, or just like giving up power, or give. Yeah, his fear that we've been seeing throughout is that you know he's going to end up with Shakar's hand dropped around his throat and. And he also has a fear of losing power or not having power. So there's kind of both those. But the eye, I mean, my guess was just the Centauri eye that they went and got earlier in the show um, that the, the shadows got for them. What about the not killing the one who was already dead? Mm. I mean, we just had to guess Morden because wasn't he presumed dead when they... When that ship went to uh, wherever the shadows live, I mean, I don't know. Good. Or maybe uh, Sheridan's wife <laughs> <laughs> when she comes back. Or there's going to be a zombie in the future. Yeah. <laughs> the apocalypse already broke out in this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's got to be some zombies somewhere. Or Kodak comes back. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and then. Um, her final yeah, reveal. she says, also, Londa will be emperor. It cannot be avoided. And what I love the way she said this, Veer will also be emperor. I don't know if she was enjoying this or what, but she, what she said, oh, you'll also be emperor. <laughs> she doesn't joke about prophecy, but the way she delivers it, she never said that she doesn't joke about how she delivers she prophecy. She, she just doesn't joke about out it. Of it. Well, she says that yeah. one will be emperor after the other is dead. I think that she yeah. even enjoyed more. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the logical order of this would be that Wando becomes emperor first because Veer is well was his like assistant and maybe would go with him. But I also don't want Veer to have to wait until Londo is that old. And so... Right. <laughs> so then I question that. 
Yeah, and how can the show? I mean, it would. This seems like something the show is gonna show us at some point. And how can we wait until Londo is old to see right. the coming emperor? We're gonna skip forward 150 yeah. years. Maybe because all the humans will be dead, and <laughs> I mean, all the humans we know will be dead. Mm-hmm. Maybe Babylon Four comes back and goes the time jump, and oh, there we go. Yes, yeah. yeah. will come back. Premature predictions. Premature. Well, we usually do them right no, at the very not. end, but well, we have to talk about like it now. Prophecy. We have to talk about it. It's prophecy. Next, we see Blondie giving up his badge and his gun. <laughs> Love with the others, and Lady Morella shares an elevator with Talon. Oh, the best. Interesting look she gives. She's uncomfortable at first, but then she kind of gives this half nod at the end, as if this would have pleased my husband, but I'm not comfortable with it. (laughs) Sheridan thanks Jakar for his help, and there's even been a drop in crime since the Narn started helping out. Since the, for the last ten minutes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no crime in two minutes. Well, we had well, a lot of time twenty minutes ago when there was a big riot. <laughs> exactly, so there was a huge drop off there. All of a sudden, right? <laughs> I remember martial law is still in place, even though they don't like it. Yeah. So Didn't yeah, normally the military you... was in, in control. I guess. Mm. Normally, you would have less crime under martial law, you know, even if it's dodgy martial law, you know, because you've got the curfew and law is more stringently enforced. You've got harsher penalties, etc. Carr says that in return, he wants in. Yeah, I think it's time. Sheridan says he'll have to talk with the others about it. Jakar says, I got time. Just because Dylan is not there. <laughs> Next, Londo and Beer are a little uneasy around each other, maybe a little untrusting. Beer's made some spoo for Londo, but he's not hungry. Like a friend of prison, right? Is that what we were supposed to get at? Like, there's... I think so. But he's not even emperor shouldn't... yet, so. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. shouldn't worry until one or the other becomes emperor. It's kind of that uncomfortable um, moment, really, that they're not sure whether to believe it and, you know, where do they stand now if they're both going to become emperor if they do believe it? Is, can Londo still boss Veer around? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they're also afraid of somebody who wants to take um, his own yeah, future in his hands and mm. kind of you know, um, jumps over the other one. <laughs> okay, no Londo, <laughs> but Vir is emperor, so I don't know, maybe that's kind of the typical thing that happens at uh, the royal court uh, with the Centauri, that they attack each other, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of have the feeling. It seems like it would be. <laughs> but it's also classic, um, I don't know, sitcom style. <laughs> just like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> they definitely need a sitcom just for the two of them. Yes, we find out that Delyn just got back and wants to speak to Sheridan. We don't ever see her, though. Bonaba has seen a report that four of the five cruisers that were with General Haig have been shot down, and Sheridan knows that they'll be coming for Babylon 5 next, and neither one of them never thought it would end that way. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, where was Delyn, by the way? Mm. Anybody has a clue? (laughs) 
taking care of some business. I think that's what JMS said. Just on Minbar doing some Minbari stuff. You know, Vera comes back and she goes back there. They trade places. (laughs) (laughs) Again, second episode in the ride where we're kind of left on a cliffhanger. A little bit. Bill Blair appearance. It seems to be more like, um, what is it called? When it's not, when it's all like the same story, you know, we kind of serial like, yeah, right now. Mm. Do you have any quotes? Um, I do. Uh, I mean, I guess everybody has that one. I just love how it's um, how it's so true. Uh, Ver intelligence has nothing to do with politics, and that's just true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, I imagine most people had that. So I've got to go with Talon's. While all answers are replies, not all replies are answers. He's been hanging out. I with love coffee. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you thought I, of that when you were I, standing there for four days. Exactly. Yeah, I have. Well, maybe uh, Kosh kind of went past a few times and yeah, whispered words into his head. Yeah. Um, okay, Zach. They're uh, all yours, Captain Sheridan. Thanks, Zach Garibaldi. You did the right thing, Zach. Everyone keeps saying that. I'm not really sure who means it, but this time, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> Good on you, Zach. I have Lady Marilla. There is always choice. We say that there is no choice, only to comfort ourselves with the decision we have already made. I have the general. Um, you have different opinions. I would say you file them in a deep, dark place where nobody will ever find them. <laughs> I I have one that I wrote as attributed to Franklin, though I don't know if this is correct. I don't know why. <laughs> but he was talking to Sheridan and it says, oh boy, Londo's going to love this. Sheridan says, hell yeah. Yeah, that was. It was? Him. Okay, I, I didn't remember yeah. it in my mind. It's insane, but. And before that, he says, you're kidding. You're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I have Lady Marilla. Greatness is never appreciated in youth called pride in middle age, dismissed in old age, and reconsidered in death. Because we cannot tolerate greatness in our midst, we do all we can to destroy it. Yeah, that was a good one. And that shows JMS has spent time in Britain a fair bit, because it's a universal thing, but with our press, that's a constant thing. Our press are always tearing people down. I guess that's the international thing. Hmm. Not just uh, press, but just people in general, you know. Yeah. UK tabloids are rather vicious about it, though. Yeah, I've heard that, though. UK tabloids are really okay. bad. The tabloids, yeah. But just people yeah. in general, I think, also are kind of fit her description. All right, what about our characters of the week? Who is our human of the week? I want, Zach? To, Zach. I want to give it yeah, to Zach, but Zach. I didn't want to be the first to say. Because <laughs> so I've been on the... Zach championing uh, bandwagon all episode. <laughs> and you guys wanted to see what's, uh, how he- uh, Zach decides, and uh, yeah, I mean, you saw the decision today. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was happy with that. Right. You reached the point of no return, he had to decide. Mm-hmm. Now we wait for Clarence <laughs> to decide, or have to decide. <laughs> the whole world waits. That's right. Who is our alien of the week? It has to go to Lady Morella, really. 
I was gonna say Jakar. Mm. Um, I was torn between those two, and I'll figure out what y'all decide. Well, I don't know if you can get to any time. Jakar can win it any week. He's on the episode. I kind of uh, was torn between Sassy Weir and uh, Lady Morella, but I would also give it to her. I mean, Weir was just great and sassy and, and cool this time and actually got annoyed by Londo and so, but um, she had oh, those uh, and Oh, and I've forgotten another line um, from Veer. Yes, another towel, please. <laughs> <laughs> what about that Minbari guy and who told Londo what was going on? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could go for Lady Morella. I'm fine with Lady Morella, yeah. Lady Morella. All right, ratings. Want to start us out, Anke? Uh, sure. Um, I definitely like that episode a lot. Um, to you know, like especially after last week's episode, that's just a step up one more time. Uh, it's very personal, so everybody has to make a personal choice, I find, um, especially Zach. But also, I liked how Gary Baldi acted out, um, how Sheridan was annoyed by the whole situation, but he didn't, you know, didn't yet get to that point, I guess, always um, angry and uh, and would do something stupid. Um, I liked um, the whole story between Londo and Veer and Lady Morala in between, like, <laughs> as, like, their morale kind of... <laughs> Um, uh, prophecy uh, person. I really like that. Um, uh, had lots of fun with, with the two plots um, acting between each other. Um, uh, but I need to be careful with my <laughs> ratings. Um, I would say I give it um, 8.5 out of 10 um, politics that are not intelligent. <laughs> Politicians that are not intelligent, sorry. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Heidi? I enjoyed this one. Um, I kind of mentioned this at the end of the commentary. I think the title sort of oversold it a little. Like, I felt like we didn't quite get to the point of no return. Like, I how our predictions were so big and grand last week. Like, thinking, okay, well, they've, like, either got to take over the station, which... Yeah, sort of, I guess. They, like, have control back, but they don't really, depending on what happens on Earth. So, um, I feel like I was expecting it to go farther than it did. So, that brought it down a touch. But I loved um, the Veer and Londo stuff and Jakar. And I'm hoping that we finally get some movement there. Um, I'm glad that we saw uh, Zach like come back over to the to the light side, I guess. And um, I like Sheridan outsmarting uh, everybody because that's always fun. Um, so I think I'm gonna go eight and a half out of ten. Veer as fun-loving emperor. <laughs> oh. About you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I'm glad you guys are saying what you're saying because I, I thought it was an important episode and I liked a lot of it. I mean, I liked it all, really. And I thought it was, was really good and moved the plot forward and it had some, you know, good guest star and all that. But there were some things that just were a little bit on the cheesy side for me. Um, I think it, it went a little over the top. Um, 
with some of the brawls and, you know, it just seemed a little bit too, uh, you know, I don't know, not, not as there, there were some things about it, like what Lady Morella was saying and what Jakar was saying that were very like thoughtful. And then there were some things that just seemed a little bit too shallow, like just the way people were reacting to martial law. And then Garibaldi's um, <clears throat> tantrum thing. I didn't, it wasn't my favorite. You know, I thought it was a little bit, it just didn't ring true to me. I mean, his anger did, but just the whole like scene. But all in all, though, it was very strong. Um, I liked how Sheridan got past what was happening. Like, that's a very Sheridan thing to do, you know, to find a legal loophole or a loophole in it yeah. and to like give himself a little wiggle room, you know. He hasn't completely came out on one side or the other. Like, like he could have a, a good reason or excuse for it. Um, but like Heidi said, then that, that that means there's there's not the point of no return, you know, <laughs> but it's coming. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I did. I thought it was great. I love the whole prophecy thing. So that's gonna be awesome. Um, so I'm gonna give it again eight point five. Uh, Lady Marilla and Talon forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you, Ian. Yeah. Well, this is. Babylon 5, mid-season 3, and this episode has some flaws, but it highlights the good stuff in it. It, it, The flaws, I just get swept up in the story and only notice them afterwards, so I really don't mind them at all. Zach gets a lovely couple of moments in this story. You've got great stuff from Lady Morella and things to start thinking about and there's a hint at other stuff going on as well and our characters are in a crux point at the end of this episode i think that's why it's point of no return is that after this episode they have to make decisions that something has to happen after this one way or another you know right through the episode was building up to that point of no return, which happens at the very end, I feel. Um, and maybe, you know, if you don't look at it like that, when you're not expecting what's going to happen, it's a misleading episode title. Um, so I'm going to give it also eight and a half out of ten um, foods ordered in. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys were saying. It had a lot of really strong points. It may not have been the best, you know, season title episode we've seen so far, but I thought it was still really good. I really liked Lady Morella storyline and, um, I did like how Sheridan's solution to the problem, even if it's just a temporary one. So I'm going to go exactly what you guys said, eight and a half out of ten. Mm. Prophecies. <laughs> Is that the first time we've all rated it the same? Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I hear they've declared martial law in feedback land. So <laughs> I was like, what's that going to say this time? <laughs> it's always, it's always a, a fun thing to find out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make sure there's no riots in there, Will. I don't think so. No fights yet, but. People are running around, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> There's a random member. Not sure why exactly. <laughs> this feedback is so scary. Um, 
First is a comment from Board 99. I'll take this one. Board 99, as always. Ford says, The Coming of Shadows is my favorite B5 episodes. The run of episodes that starts with messages from Earth and extends through point of no return to spoilers <laughs> is my favorite sequence <laughs> in all of B5. Very nice work. <laughs> One of the many things that I like about Point of No Return is how it communicates that our protagonists are not in control of events now that Clark has made his move, and those events are moving very, very fast. All Sheridan and company can do is try desperately to improvise ways to stay on top of things from moment to moment in their own little corner of the universe. This A plot is all about the short term, and is nicely balanced by the Londo B plot, in which Londo tries just as desperately in his own way to find a way to control events in the long term. JMS has said that JMS said that Babylon 5 was what happened when he realized that two shows that he had in mind, one a grand sweeping space opera, the other an intimate little story of a single space station, were actually the same story. Point of No Return is maybe the single story which most effectively exploits the tension between those two. Thank you, Board. Thanks, Board. As always. As I say, yeah, as always, great to hear you. And, yeah. Next, we have an email from Derek. Okay, I can take, take that one. I will. Now, hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry, it just went away. Uh, okay. Dearest ambassadors, here we are at the point of no return. Clarence looked so sad with his puppy dog eyes when he asked the captain what they did wrong. He did. He gets a promotion spends his rent money on synthetic roses for a very confusing non-date with Ivanova, and then all hell breaks loose. Since Garibaldi is security and not Earth Force, does that mean if Sheridan and Ivanova die, Clarence is in command? If so, maybe he can finally buy roses for that first date we're still waiting for. But it won't be with Ivanova then. <laughs> She'll be dead. gross. <laughs> 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 Anyway, here are some observations on this marvelous episode. I think the reason people in Earth Dome are so cranky is that they spend all their time in a dome. Maybe fresh air would help the mood. I wish to long. Why fresh air a chain of restaurants then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Talon was my friend. And that great story Yen told about meeting the actor who played Talon and getting to touch his sword. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes him even more awesome. Much Talk dirtier about... than when, it, when we heard that story originally. <laughs> Talk about a loyal person. Although it might get a little creepy if we go on vacation and he ends up standing at the front door the whole time waiting for us. Maybe he could at least feed our cats while he waits. I agree. He should be doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> Sheridan has definitely lost the golden retriever look. Maybe he needs more orange juice in his diet. Or even a real golden retriever. Oh my god, that would make the show like ten times better. Dog. Dog in like in a security suit. Oh. Okay. He, he can uh. play out in the gardens and even help fertilize the plants. <laughs> you would think two hundred years in the future, police and security have better access to technology than just a baton stick and gun. Not even a taser? Now that would have been a fun riot scene. While the Narn taking over security is an awesome, is awesome, I didn't notice any female officers. Maybe the Narn are not as progressive in gender equality. 
After all, how many female aides has Jakar spaced? <laughs> oh. Oh, Quote, no. Londo, I have been touched. The question is, by who? <laughs> I guess maybe Yam? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Yam, yeah, sorry. Oh. My bets are always on Franklin when someone says something like this. Garibaldi <laughs> well, <laughs> to Zach. Hell is coming five steps behind me, and you better decide which side you're going to be on. Human of the week, Zach, for making the right decision. Although, did you notice, no one was on the other side of the door when he escaped from the Nightwatch mob? By the time Sheridan and folks had gotten there, Zach could have been caught in the door and pulled back in. Next time, Sheridan, don't take so much time to pose when you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> Alien of the week, Majel freaking Barrett. Best crossover ever. That's how you pronounce your name, right? <clears throat> right. Overall, a great episode with what I hope will be some major repercussions in the near future. This is not an episode where everything goes back to normal next week. Then again, this is not really a television show where there is a normal to return to. And each week does not start with a clean slate. I will give it 9 out of 10 sad Clarence faces. Or if that is taken, it is not. 9 out of 10 improper chains of command. Until next time, thank you, awesome podcasters. Well, thank you, Uh, awesome feedbacker. And now I want to have a golden retriever. (laughs) <laughs> I was about to say that too. Um, oh, maybe maybe the golden retriever should be in the um, Babylon Five Planeteers cartoon. Right. <laughs> that would also give Sheridan a reason why he always shows up in the gardens. <laughs> there, like I'm just meditating. What are you doing here? <laughs> Walking my dog. <laughs> Been thinking about getting a second dog. Me too. Or, yeah. <laughs> Find me a golden retriever, maybe. Oh, you might have to Next. name it Clarence. Aww. Yeah, Clarence. Oh. <laughs> Puppy dog guy. Or Talon. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a girl, it'll be Koda. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so next we have an email from Michael. I can take Michael. After all, he's the UK podcast fan. Okay. Hi, guys. Well, that was an awesome episode. I'm hoping this week I'm hoping this week podcast is on time and I have a rule that means I'm not allowed to watch the next episode until I've listened to your associated ramblings and I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Uh yeah, I'm gonna have to speed up my editing of the sound mix then. <laughs> okay. Um as predicted. Last week's martial law was extended to the station and all hell broke loose. Even Nightwatch Dude, as I've come to call him, was having a whale of a time, sneering at the camera and revelling in the power he had obviously always craved. I loved the scene with Garibaldi turning up, trying to talk some sense to his men by appealing to the sense of loyalty and better judgment, and, of course, flipping some tables. Of course. Of course. Whilst all this was going on, Lograna Troy, Lady Morella, on this show, agreed to a visit with Londo. I was very surprised to see this particular actress turn up on the series, given her other affiliations, and I thought she was perfect for the character. It's always great to see Veer turn up, and I loved his whole storyline. 
we already know that Londo had been likely to become emperor, but the relevant, but the rel, I can't say that word, but the revelation that Beer was also destined to become destined for the position, and the reactions of both he and Londo had to the news was fantastic. Ducat was set free early, Mr. Garibaldi overstepping his authority a little here. Perhaps he feared Ducat's treatment as a prisoner under the night watch rule. He sat about rallying his people to go to the aid of the Earthers. His payment will hopefully be membership to the Council of Light, as he would bring a lot to the table. Were the ambassadors fooled by Zack's double cross at the end? Uh, no. The, the scene where he opened his door to find them all sitting in his room was priceless, and yeah. Sheridan finding a way to legally put an end to Nightwatch for All was nicely played. All in all, a great hour of TV. I really can't wait for next week's episode. A commentary, perhaps? <laughs> Episode rating, 9 out of 10 portions of Spoo. Favourite human, Zack. Loved him chewing... Sorry. Loved him choosing to do the right thing. Favourite alien, Emperor Veer. It's <laughs> just got such a nice ring to it. Quote Londo. It's the one from earlier. Intelligence has nothing to do with politics. As always, thanks for all the hard work. Michael, UK podcast fan. And thanks, thanks, Michael. Sorry, Michael. Oh, thanks, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you researching this time? I was looking up Golden Retrievers. I, and <laughs> <laughs> I found like three of them that have come from Taiwan. What? And Oregon. They know. made the trek what? on their own, did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they swam. <laughs> <laughs> I paddled all the way over here. Our next email is from Melanie W. I'll take that one. Hi, down below. A lot happened in this episode. Vera is back, and both him and Londo are to become emperor. I loved their reactions to Morella's prophecy. Aside from the you will become emperor, it's the biggest riddle I've heard on the show so far. She didn't even tell us what chances Londo had wasted. He has made more than two deals with Morden, so which ones weren't chances for redemption? Londo also continued his correcting of Veer's reports. It was nice to see Veer tell him off. Over the course of the show, we've seen more and more of Veer's backbone. He was sent to Babylon 5 as a joke. To season 1 Londo, everyone except Jakar was a good dear friend, and it was probably the first time anyone saw Veer as anything but a joke. He still has enough confidence to tell Londo, tell Londo off, and in this episode, try to walk out on him. Meanwhile, Nightwatch tried to take over the station, and Zack finally got his priorities straight and a chance to act against Nightwatch. The first time I watched this, I wasn't sure which side he was on until he dove under the door and took off his armband. Sheridan's speech on the PA was great, but my quotes seemed to get longer for every episode, so I won't quote it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really long quote. I saw it on IMDb. (laughs) Narn's on the security team. I wonder what Jakar told them to make them handle the Centauri without a problem. It must have been more straightforward than his reply to Talon earlier in the episode. That just sounded like he thinks he's holding a human key to something. 
<laughs> rating nine bonus for Veer being back 0.5. Final rating 9.5. Human of the week Sheridan Alien Veer quotes. Um, we did Talon's Lady Morella. We didn't do this one. Lady Morella. Greatness is never appreciated in youth, called pride in middle age, dismissed in old age, and reconsidered in death. Because we cannot tolerate greatness in our midst, we do all we can to destroy it. We didn't do that one, right? No, we didn't. We only talked about it. Great quote, though. That's right. Another Lady Morella. There's always choice. We say that there is no choice, only to comfort ourselves with the decision we have already made. And then Veer... I thought the purpose of filing these reports was to provide accurate intelligence. Wando, Veer, intelligence has nothing to do with politics. Here, they're tolerant of cultural differences. Veer, yes. Wando, no. Make that they have no well-defined sense of morality. They'll love that back home. (laughs) Veer, Wando, that's it. I've been up for a day and a half working on this report. You want to make notes? Fine, you make notes. But you have me locked up in here ever since I get back. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to get some sleep. And I'll come back and we'll try to work this out. Best regards, Melanie, the Krakovian beer fan. Thanks, Thanks Melanie. Um, Thank you, Melanie. I just remembered another part of that um, whole thing. The fact that Ladder said something along the lines of, keeping in the bit about them being very spiritual people because it scares people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that was Melanie. Next email is from Lori. I'll take this one. Hey, guys. Apologies for the abbreviated feedback. Carl Spring Theater Production is this week, and we got behind, so you just get my comments on this episode. However, my prediction is that Carl will like this one as much as last mm-hmm. week's. All Carl's in theater. <laughs> I just have to say that I could watch Londo and Veer all day. It was also great to see Veer standing up to Londo. He is great at standing up to everyone. Where will that lead? And we get Majel Barrett as Lady Morella. I was glad that Corey was in on the commentary to explain exactly who she is and why the actress is so significant. I think she does an excellent job in the role. I believe several newbies were saying last week that they wanted to see more of Zach and what he will do, so I hope you were happy with the way things turned out. I know that I was. It was a clever trap, which I'm sure that Sheridan designed. I like when Sheridan says, I wish Dylan were here. It really shows that he is coming to depend on her. The all-out fight while Sheridan was making the announcement of martial law was pretty ironic and well done, if maybe a little unrealistic. (laughs) I enjoyed seeing Jakar get out of jail and the lines. Tilan, I hope you have not been waiting long. Three, four days. I sleep on the fifth day. Return on the sixth. Jakar does end up sounding a little crazy here. Writing the book of Jakar, maybe? And why does he think humans are the key? Looking very forward to hearing you discuss the prophecies, and I'm curious as to what Carl will think, too. Writing nine out of ten mysterious prophecies. Human... Zach for finally getting his priorities straight. Alien Veer for standing up to Lundo. Thank you, Lori. We are also curious about what Carl thinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah, I was I'm happy with what happened with Zach, you know. I like to mm-hmm. see more of Zach as well. I like Zach as a character. So. All right. So the last one? Yeah. Yeah, last one, Yan. Hello, down bellowers. Here's a bit of feedback for Season 3, Episode 9, Point of No Return. This week I am watching the episode together with my friend Yarsto. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, Yarsto. 
Uh, I remember a... him from the uh, Babylon podcast days. Oh, nice. He was also a longtime B5 fan, so we will be making a joint statement. This is a <laughs> packed episode, and it is very good, as long as you respect the chain of command. Yay, Talon is mm. back. On Morella's prophecy for Londo, note that the three chances that Londo has are in the future, not in the past. We both love the speech she gives about greatness. Last time you asked to hear Jakar singing, now you got your wish. We both love Jakar's idea and his conversation with Talon. Don't you just love the small scene with Talon and Lady Morella in the elevator? Um, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The scene with Vera and Londo in the room, after having been told that they would both be Emperor, is priceless. I have been told that they had very little direction, just the situation, and were asked to run with it. And run with it, they did indeed. (sighs) We don't want our comments as long as the episode, so we stop here. We both... <laughs> He's talking like later real. This is funny. We both are sure you have discussed it for a long time by now. Favorite quote from Yan Talon. That was a stirring reply, Citizen Jakar. But while all answers are replies, not all replies are answers. What is is what it is is that you understand now that you did not understand before. But what is it that you understand now? Sorry, I butchered that one. Um, Sheridan, always plan to lie inside a truth. It makes it easier to swallow. And then Londo's quote about intelligence has nothing to do with politics. Yarsto, uh, Garibaldi, you did the right thing, Zach. Zach, you know, everybody always says that. I don't know who means it anymore, but yeah, this time maybe I did. Uh, Jakar, I've had an idea. Franklin, you're kidding. You're not kidding. Human, uh, for Yan, it's Zach, and for Yarsto, it's Zach. Uh, alien for Yan, it's Lady Marilla, and for Yarso, it's Jakar. Readings Yan 9.5, you two will become Emperor. We are so 95 out of 100 Narns. I hope that's live Narns and not dead Narns. <laughs> that's all for now. Be careful because you have now reached the point of no return. Yarso and Yan, the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, both well, thank- of you. Thank you. That was fun. Hello. Will? I'm still here. Hello. Oh, Will's, sorry, I'm like, uh, I was talking. Pet, what's that? Petfinder.com right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, totally I was, I'm off that. Right now, over the <laughs> internet. No, I forgot to unmute my mic. I was talking, but <laughs> my mic muted. Um, yeah, if you want to send us feedback, send it to mail it down below podcast.com. Yeah, thanks, or leave a comment. I like that Yen sounds like Lady Morella. You should keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's all we want to know. Future feedback should be from Jan and Yasto, but Jan should be the one who reveals it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just do predictions. The next episode is Severed Dreams. Ooh, Londo's dream. Yeah, that's all be my first thought, but it seems like too soon. Yeah, it kind of does because we just barely got more about that this episode but that's where my yeah. mind goes first. My mind also secondly goes to that song Shattered Dreams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, which will have nothing to do with the episode but it's now in my head. <laughs> oh, so, come on. <laughs> uh, gosh, yeah. Severed Dreams. Um, who else has had dreams? I'm sure Delenn has dreams. Yeah. Probably about uh, Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so okay, so Corey had predicted in our commentary that General Haig would show up in two episodes, not next episode, but the week, the episode after that. Yes, what Corey gives think? very specific uh, yes. predictions. <laughs> yeah, no vague ones. Um, when do you think General Haig will show up? I'm just assuming you think he'll show up. Well, yeah, I think he has to at some point. Um, it could be the next episode. I'll go with that. It's going to be this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be over the next two. Uh, if I had a lean, I would say maybe I maybe like Corey, maybe one episode in between. Who knows? Um, okay. Uh, one thing I thought about because we we think that uh, B five is eventually going to have to like out and out declare, you know, their loyalties, right? Right. Okay. So then I wonder if what we'll, what happened to General Haig will happen to B five, where there'll be a, a military standoff uh, with mm-hmm. the station. And well, the they problem can't is, go anywhere. well, and the problem is, is they have a lot of firepower. I mean, they yes. are meant to protect themselves. So yes, and they have those new weapons too. Yeah, and if they're not taken over from within, which they have subdued the Night Watch now, mm. um, if they're not taken over from within, I feel like they can defend themselves and mm. be good, you know, for quite some time, because they could get supplies from the alien races that are on their side. Yes, and Earth, because there's a lot of other people from other worlds on the station, they can't exactly just blow the station up, you know? Right. There's ambassadors there, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, foreign dignitaries, and just people yeah. you don't want to get everybody involved. Exactly. You would start a war with everyone. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking? Uh, you know how last time we talked about, like, what is Earth's motive? Or I guess maybe I was mentioning, like, what is Earth's motivation? Like, why would they want to be like the shadows? You know, what is really driving this other than just power? And I'm wondering if they're going to use this as like a way to get back at them in Bari, you know? Yeah. Like, try to, you know, because Mimbari basically almost beat Earth. And so maybe whoever it is is feeling the sting or maybe they just want to use this Their pride power. is hurt. Yeah. To get back at them or something. Um, yeah. What? stops the shadows from just coming and slicing Babylon 5 and half. I don't know. It makes no sense. Gosh. I mean, everybody knows. But, okay, so has do they know that Kosh is, is a Vorlon? I can't remember. I, I can't keep track of who knows what about who. Yeah. Because you're right. I mean, they're, they know that everybody knows. I mean, the, the, the secret's out in the open now, you know? There's been, they've been shown on television. Um, so yeah, what what's what's stopping them? They must have have an alliance with Earth, but yeah, but maybe they have some sort of a weakness that would become too apparent if they became too bold. Like if they just showed themselves everywhere, and right. maybe lying in the shadows is one of their strengths. Yeah, but they're going to have to make a move at some point because they're amassing in Centauri space for some reason. Um, right. I wonder if they are getting ready to do a full-out thrust against Mimbar or Babylon 5 or something. Um, or maybe, yeah, maybe they're going to turn on the Centauri. I don't know. And maybe it's time for more Shadow stuff again next yeah. year. I feel like we we need to see Morton again soon. I want to know what he's up to. 
Yes, me too. Oh, yes, that would be good. I would love that. Like, especially if we got to go on Earth and see more of, like, what's the politics going on there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Severed Dreams also makes me think of size, but I don't know. Maybe Lita's back? That's a hard one. Yeah. Automatically, you would think of Londo. Um, but, but, yeah, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm excited about everything. Uh, mm-hmm. This is going in a good direction, so... I guess that's all for me. Yeah, me too. Mm. Alright. Interesting, really. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, Anka, thanks for joining us again this week. It's good having you aboard this week. Yeah, I mean, I can probably say that actually next week would have been my <laughs> first choice. Um, but um, I guess that's for a lot of other people as well. Um yeah, no. I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting soon. I hope and um, good that I was on the um, on that show uh, at the point of no return. Basically, there's no return for all yeah. of us now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This week was tied for third most requested right. episode. Yeah. Is really popular. Because when we get to it, we'll we'll know which one is the first <laughs> request. I'll just give you a hint. You won't be waiting very long. <laughs> okay. <That's all> <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, no. Always yeah. nice to, to be on the show or even to send a review in. I can't get to it so often because I travel a lot, but yeah, when I do then. <laughs> we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, thanks for getting up so early with us. <laughs> It's okay. I go back to sleep now. No. Oh, nice. Yeah. I probably make breakfast. I get now to go. The other person. <laughs> I get to go run for an hour now. I hate myself. <laughs> That's good. Well, I've got to cram in a um, story, Doctor Who story before I record for that podcast. You see, we were all uh, sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So much to do. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week's folk. We'll be back next week for Severed Dreams. But until then, goodbye. Seeing you. Bye. Bye.
Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. <laughs>